listeners to the blue stable podcast the official Colts podcast of fan sided as always my name is destin adams back at it again no rashad or michael today so maybe we'll have a little bit less hot takey from michael um he's, he's taking a week off those hot takes got the best of him uh, filling in for them though we have a big friend of the show co-owner of the bluestable.com marcus aka culture shock on twitter marcus how you doing today man Hey, what's going on, Destin? It's good to fill in for my guys, Richard and Mike. Hopefully, they'll be back as soon as possible. But hey, man, it's good. It's good to be on the show with you, man. It's good. It's good to have you as well. It's been a minute since you've been on, so it'll be good for the listeners to kind of hear that perspective a little bit. But we do have a special guest today. We are starting a new series where we we will be bringing in somebody that covered a draft pick for the Colts this past year. We're going to be starting up right from the beginning with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, this guy would, would have covered three now Colts players here with Alec Pierce, Curtis Brooks, and Michael Young. And coming on today, we have Chad Brindle, owner of the BearcatJournal.com. Chad, how are you doing today, man? Good. And, and, and just I don't want our Ohio State uh, people to get upset. It's just Bearcat Journal. Uh, I didn't copyright the, so I don't want to have any copyright strikes against me uh, with the Bearcat Journal. I, I don't want to upset those guys. They'll come at you pretty pretty angrily now <laughs> yeah i say yeah i say, I, I know uh ohio state fans really just feel like that the word belongs to them I, i've had conversations with people about that in the past so that, that's on me well uh, that's another big mistake too don't say the you gotta the, say the the yeah the. you call them the ohio state university they get upset with that i like to call them an ohio state university because there's <laughs> other state universities in ohio uh, they don't like that either. <laughs> so what we're saying is Ohio State fans just get mad. <laughs> they, they they like to get upset about things. Yeah, it's 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 in their DNA. Hey, I <laughs> I agree. I'm an Indiana guy through and through. Indiana University. Um, so I'm always down to poke fan at Ohio State fans. Um, <laughs> we do have a very large Ohio State fan base for the Colts, um, which shocks me hmm. because Ohio I feel like has like. They have the multiple teams. The yeah, they have the yeah. Bengals and the Browns. You wouldn't think that there would be such an influx of it. Uh, I do think maybe the IU football not being a, a big uh, big name. Um, yeah. They've had some success here and there recently, but for the most part, IU football is not a blue blood, blue blood by any means. Purdue, pretty much the same thing. They've been better than IU recently. And then we have Notre Dame, but it feels like Notre Dame football, like you, you have those like – diehard fans for Notre Dame but then you, you just have those that just look at Notre Dame as a non as a they're not in a conference and they're like a joke in right. the college football realm for fans sometimes well I, I I have to be nice to Notre Dame now uh because Marcus Freeman is it became a friend uh while he was the defensive coordinator at UC and uh, a lot of love for Marcus 
so I wish him nothing but the best up at uh, Notre Dame. And didn't hurt Cincinnati went into Notre Dame Stadium, beat the Irish this past year. So kind of got a little one up on my, on my guys at Notre Dame now. Uh, it, it's funny how much Cincinnati and Notre Dame between Brian Kelly and now Marcus Freeman and, and Mike Mickens is an assistant up there. Uh, Brian Mason's an assistant up there that's an Indiana guy. Uh, a lot of overlap between Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And as a great segue, Michael Young. I say it is a great segue. Michael Young, the first guy we're going to talk about, undrafted free agent for the Colts, um, coming out of Cincinnati, but did start his what ended up being a five-year college career at Notre Dame. Spent three years with the Irish before transferring to Cincinnati, where he basically had his entire production as a college player um, at Cincinnati. Never had more than seven receptions um, for Notre Dame. But Michael Young, we're going to start out with Michael Young, Chad. So what can you tell some Colts fans about a guy who many probably don't know much about as an undrafted free agent? So he got hit by the injury bug a little bit at UC, which was unfortunate, uh, especially this past year, had a high ankle sprain uh, that just lingered. Uh, you know how the high ankle sprains are. He just he couldn't, couldn't really get over it, uh, and that slowed him down for the, the second half of the season. But um, as he settled in at Cincinnati, uh, a very reliable slot receiver, um, good hands his first year. He dropped a couple – uncharacteristic passes his second year. It was like maybe he was in his head trying to do too much in that final year because he would make the tough catches. Then he had a couple easy ones um, that he, that he put on the turf, which was unlike what we had known from Michael uh, the the previous year, really, really intelligent, bright kid. Uh, If they put a microphone in front of him at camp, you're going to be blown away. Um, I, I generally judge like, player when you interview a player a lot of times it's you're pulling teeth to get four or five minutes out of like an on-field after practice player interview Michael Young I had multiple times where we would just you'd look down and we'd be like 11 minutes in um, of him just you know talking football talking about his past talking about his connection to the game how much the game meant to him Um, I, I don't I know the Colts uh wide receiver situation is a little thin, right? There's not a ton of depth. And because Michael Young can help you on special teams, I could see him competing for a spot. Um, I don't know, like he's going to obviously have his work cut out for him uh, as difficult as it is to make it as an undrafted free agent. But a guy that really loves football, he fit in with the culture really, really well at Cincinnati. He helped mentor a lot of the young guys uh, that are now about ready to step up and, and take over in that wide receiver room. And he was a great pairing with Alec Pierce because both of those guys are um, really cerebral, really intelligent. Uh, they go about their work the right way. They, they, they take care of their business. Um, so I, I like Mike a lot. Like I, I had a really tight relationship with him. Uh, got to know him pretty well at Cincinnati. Uh, if he can avoid the injury bug and, and stay healthy, I think it was a turf toe the year before that kind of, he played through it and it didn't, it didn't, hamper him as much as the high ankle sprain did but you know two unfortunate kind of nicks uh against him in his two years at Cincinnati where his production could have been you know even better uh the one thing I will say both about Michael Young and eventually Alec Pierce Cincinnati's offense was was very spread um 
you didn't, there wasn't a situation where this was the guy that Desmond Ritter was targeting. They had a couple really good tight ends. They had good wide receivers. They had uh, a good running back. All of those guys are in the NFL mostly now uh, after this draft class. So there were a lot of weapons at Cincinnati so that, you know, the ball was very balanced and, and it wasn't like the guy in the slot was getting eight, 10 targets a game. You were getting three, four, five targets a game and you had to make the most of them. And, and when Mike was on the field, he, he did that. And for Michael Young, the, when, you, when you mentioned the depth in Indianapolis, I think what may work in his favor a little bit is where the Colts like some of these end-of-the-room depth is on the outside. Um, they have some bigger bodies, Desmond Patman, yeah. Michael Strong, um, both 6'4", six, 6'5", six, type guys that they want to de- develop into being rotational outside pieces or more, um, but outside guys for the most part. Um, when it comes to the slot, I mean, we have Paris Campbell, um, who isn't really able to stay healthy in the NFL so far. It'd be great when he's been on the field. He's shown that he can be dynamic out of the slot. But and then after him, it's going to be a lot of guys just battling for spots. We have Kiki Cutie, um, who was in Houston for a couple of years, battling for a slot spot. Um, we'll have Michael Young, and then we'll have a couple other undrafted free agent guys. But when it comes to that slot position, other than that, like that, that's really all he's going to be competing with. Yeah, and, and he's going to have an opportunity to take advantage of that. Um, like I said, he's going to be able to help you out on special teams. He's a guy that'll do whatever whatever he can to get on the field. Um, so I, I think it's promising for Michael Young, uh, the situation that he's he's putting himself in in Indianapolis. And if he has a good camp, uh, he's certainly going to give himself a shot. Yeah, man, that's good to hear. Uh, I see that you, you mentioned the turf toe injury that he was facing in college and everything. And if Colts fans know one thing is know that we are a very unlucky team when it comes to injuries. So that is going to be a huge question mark after Colts fans see this video, but it's definitely okay because, you know, when talent steps on the field, they still have potential and they still show what they can show. If you can compare Michael to one person in the NFL, what would you compare him to? I'm not a big comparison guy. Cause a lot of times I don't think it's ultimately fair to the player. Um, I, he's just a, he's just a reliable, steady guy. Like he's never he's not going to be the guy that that's wowing you with breakaway seventy yard plays, but he's going to be a guy that's going to make that catch on third and seven, uh, and and get you past the sticks for a first down. I mean he, he's kind of got that security blanket uh, type mentality to him. Um, that was what was so weird, you know the the two or three like open drops that he had this year. It was like, that's this is a kid that stays after practice and, and catches an extra 50 balls off the gun every day. Um, and, and Luke Fickle practices are challenging. So I, I don't know about a comparison just because I, I, I don't like that. Uh, maybe with a high-end guy, like you can, I don't feel as bad with like, a, you know, an Ahmad Gardner, I don't feel as bad making a comparison with him. Um, a guy like Michael, I, his niche is going to have to be versatility. I think it's going to have to be being able to be reliable, being able to get out on, on different special teams, showing maybe he can be a gunner showing, you know, the, the, the versatility that you're going to need. If you're trying to be a fifth or sixth wide receiver on an NFL roster, you know, it's, it's only a 53 man roster. So those guys down the depth chart at skill positions, 
are going to have to be versatile. And I think that's what he's going to have to do. Um, this, this might be something your answer is, I don't know. And that's completely fine. Um, so the Colts ended up having that individual workout with a few Cincinnati players right before the uh-huh. draft. A lot of people beforehand wanted to speculate that it was for Desmond Ritter may have been the main reason they went down there. Who knows? Um, it, it's just been very interesting to me that the two main guys that were catching passes for him in that workout were Michael Young and Alec Pierce. And both of those guys are going to have horseshoes on yeah. their helmet this next year. So I'm not sure if you have any information from about that workout that you've heard that may have helped Michael Young kind of have that thought in his head about Indianapolis post-draft? Uh, I mean, I heard they both had a good day. Um, obviously, a lot of the attention at that point was on Dez and projecting like, you know, he, he was he was the second quarterback taken. And everybody thought that would be somewhere in the first round. So that's where a lot of the attention was from what I heard. Dez had a really good day. And in general, if your quarterback has a really good day, it means your receiver's had a part in, in making him look good. Um, so that, that, you know, I, I didn't hear anything negative come out of that workout to where there were issues, which would have meant that the Colts had a very positive uh, viewing of Mike Young and, and Alec Pierce. So uh, I would say it probably you know, came from that. And then again, once, once front office people get to talking to people at Cincinnati about Pierce and Young, they're going to fall in love with them even more because, and I'll save the Alex, Alex stuff for Alex, but Michael was a, was a high end student and was, you know, a, a top of his class type at Notre Dame. And if he's, you're top of your class type at Notre Dame, that's going to carry over pretty much anywhere you go because of the academic standards at Notre Dame. Um, so once you start to get to know those guys, uh, it's pretty easy to understand why NFL teams were were drawn towards them. Yeah, the big thing I wrote down for Michael Young um, during the draft process when I touched on him a little bit, but mostly afterwards, um, and not to knock Cincinnati academics, I have no idea of what the expectation is there. I just, from being an Indiana kid, I know to get into Notre Dame, even to be an athlete at Notre Dame, um, yeah. is a high educational aspect to that, that you have to be a pretty good student if you're going to be playing at Notre Dame. It, there's just a lot more yeah. expectations there. Yeah, and, and Cincinnati academically uh, is very challenging for their football guys. Mm-hmm. Wait till I get to the Alec Pierce stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Notre Dame. Like, there's no illusions of grandeur there. Like, Notre Dame, yeah. I don't think they let you take online classes. Like, everything has to be in person. Like, it. What they, what they demand of you is, is different than most other places. You know, maybe a Stanford or uh, somewhere like that is, is similar, but Notre Dame's definitely at the top of that list. Yeah. And moving on here, the next guy, um, this guy's going to not be an undrafted guy, taken in the sixth round, a little later than most people probably were projecting um, before that draft day. Another five-year um, college guy, um, thanks to COVID, six. obviously. Six-year, yeah, it is true, actually. Six, um, yeah. Six, six um, 2017. Man, good. Curtis Brooks, man. Got to love it. But uh, six-year college guy and Curtis Brooks, interior defensive lineman. He was, in talking to a lot of people at Cincinnati throughout the season and then after the season, there was a feeling that he was the most impactful player not named Ahmad Gardner on that defense throughout the 2021 season. Um, and, And a lot of that comes from something very simple. When Curtis Brooks was dominant, 
that's when the Cincinnati defense was at their best. And you're talking about a top 10 unit throughout the season. And when he was at the top of his game, it was really, really, really difficult to get anything done on Cincinnati because you had an NFL draft pick at outside rusher, and then you had Curtis Brooks playing nose tackle, and he just is so disruptive, and his motor runs so high. And I don't know right away, like as he adjusts, if he's going to be an instant impact guy, but I think the way that defensive line rotations work in the NFL, he's going to get his shot to cycle into the games. And if he's playing anything like he played last year at Cincinnati, he will be somebody the Colts will, the Colts fans will be drawn to. Um, he's got a really funny personality. He's kind of got this snarl uh, that he, that he plays with. Um, he's funny when he talks to the media, uh, a really like big kind of engaging personality with Curtis. Um, and the crazy thing for him is I think he benefited maybe more than anybody at Cincinnati over the past two years from the COVID year. Because he had a couple guys in front of him. There was another guy named Marcus Brown that was in this, uh, this class as well. That in 2020, Marcus Brown kind of beat out Curtis. And Curtis had um, just, he was having issues or having still part of his development, learning how to keep the motor running constantly. And instead of I'm going to turn it on for two or three plays and then maybe try to dial it back and then turn it on. Um, last year, he learned how to turn that thing on and keep it, keep the RPMs all the way, you know, maxed out. And when he did that, he was, he was so difficult for defensive lines to figure out. Um, they would try to double him with centers and guards. Uh, he would just split right through them. He's got great power. Uh, and he's not like, he's more of a three tech. He's not a nose. Um, but he's one of those guys that can beat you with leverage, beat you with quickness. And he's able to do the one thing in the NFL that is completely invaluable right now. And that's rush the quarterback from the middle of the field. You know, you, you look at Aaron Donald, that's why he's one of the greatest defensive players ever. And I'm not comparing Curtis Brooks to Aaron Donald. But what I am saying is there's nothing more disruptive to a quarterback than a pass rush coming at his face. They can, when those pass rushes are coming around the edge, they can step up, they can move, they can slide. When it's coming right at you, it makes it really difficult. And, and Curtis Brooks gives you that. Um, so I, I, I really like, I think he's still got his best football ahead of him. Uh, so I like the pick of, of Curtis Brooks there in the sixth round. Yeah, uh, I think uh, just from what you said, it's, it's a good thing to hear for sure because, you know, one thing that Colts lacked was, you know, dominant edge rush for years. And to have him come in and to see the potential we see with Tay and all these guys, you know, with Dio stepped on the scene, recovering from injury, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to see. But, you know, moving on, moving forward towards the camps and everything and the preseason, uh, do you think that his preseason, if he shows out, he can get a dominant starting spot for sure over what we have already? Like I said, I think it probably will still take him just a little bit of time to adjust. Um, but I, I don't think he's far off. I, I, I think 
he'll work his way into the rotation pretty early. Uh, and then if he can, if he can keep it up, then I do think there is a chance, you know, long-term for him to kind of, to move his way up that depth chart. But I think he's going to have to earn it right away. One of my favorite quotes that I saw um, through the draft process for Curtis Brooks came from Luke Fickle, um, who, when I hear this quote and found out he was an ex defensive lineman, um, I just like, oh, look yeah. at, I just look at Luke Fickle and just don't imagine him uh, being a defensive lineman. I'm assuming he's lost so, some weight uh, <laughs> in his, little, his coaching well, career started. You also have to remember back in the early to mid nineties. Yeah. You know, those guys weren't all 330 pounds. Like, they were a lot smaller. Now, he's he's lost some weight from then, but he was a – Luke Fickle was a, like, Olympic-level wrestler. He only lost one match in high school. So he's always been a little bit on that smaller side, but had the ability to play bigger. He played in the Rose Bowl with his pectoral muscle torn off the bone. Whoa. That's – that's a tough dude. I've, tough I have dude. never questioned Luke Fickle not being tough just from interviews and just watching the guy coach. I mean, but a quote that came that he came with for Curtis Brooks post being drafted by the Colts. He said, congratulations to Curtis and his family. The Colts are getting a relentless competitor who got better every single year for us. He's a guy that truly loves football. And I may be biased as a former defensive lineman, but I thought Curtis was really our defensive MVP for most of the season last fall. Yeah. He was a catalyst in the trend and a dominant player i'm thrilled to see his nfl dreams come true today so i was a pretty huge ahmad gardner fan um and i think Amon gardner is probably the reason he didn't just flat out say was our defensive mvp and right. he said for most of the <laughs> season last fall um I'm a, i was a huge gardner fan but i guess for colts fans and you kind of spoke on it a little bit um but like what about curtis brooks do you think formed into that like MVP level for that defense last year, a really good defense in Cincinnati even? I, I think it's what I just kind of touched on was, was his motor running more consistently. Um, that ability to, to play for longer stretches at a hundred percent. And a lot of times that's, I think people look at that as like, a, you know, the guy's lazy or whatever. A lot of times that is just your stamina, like how much, stamina have you built up because if you haven't maxed out that ability then you're going to have to take a couple plays off right that, that you're going to have to go full blast full blast full blast and then you know maybe just try to hold your ground for a rep um but as curtis got further and further into his career um the more he was able to make that type of impact I, i've seen a really interesting marcus here you go i got a comparison I've seen a really interesting comparison for Curtis Brooks. Are you guys familiar with Geno Atkins? Out of the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a a guy out of Georgia, a little bit undersized. uh, A a lot of the same. Like, if you go back and look at the, um, the combine, the Sparks numbers between Geno Atkins and Curtis Brooks were almost identical. Now, Geno Atkins became one of the best, you know, smaller defensive linemen of all time. I think he finished with, let me, 75 and a half sacks in his NFL career. So I think Curtis Brooks is going to have 75 and a half NFL sacks. 
I don't, I don't think so. I'm not going to put it past him. Well, Chad, but I'll I, accept 74. I'll accept okay. 74. 74. How about 74 and a half? I, I'd take it. Anything. Okay. I'm okay. fine with 73. For a sixth-round <laughs> six, six edge rusher, man, I, I'll, I'll take it. No, interior. Now, see, he's, it, it'll be man, interesting. Inter- interior rusher. Yeah. Interior rusher. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a three-tech that, that gets after the quarterback from the inside. Uh, where did Gino – I was a big Geno Atkins guy when he was on the Bengals. I have a pretty, I have a good friend uh, who who's a lifelong Bengals fan. Um, so we used to talk about Geno Atkins a whole lot. Um, I had seen that um, player comp a few times for him. I, I was a big Curtis Brooks fan. Seeing him in the sixth round when he came around, I was I was already big into it. The way the Colts like to use the interior line, I thought he would fit in. Um, in his post-draft conference, he kind of talked about the being smaller aspect, and he felt like that's why he fell down the board. Um, but the yeah. Colts usually don't really don't care about that, about size for the interior guys. Um, and they'll let them kind of do their thing. Um, I am um, interested because the new – Defensive line coach for the Colts, Nate Ollie. One of the mantras he's kind of living by uh, in his first coaching stint as a defensive line coach is that we're going to stop the run run on the way to the passer. Um, basically, it's just going to be guns blazing for these defensive linemen. So I think this and that is the fits kind Curtis. Of, exactly. I think this scheme is perfect for him. He's a guy that can. He's adequate at stopping the run, um, even though he's a little bit undersized and he's not one of those you know three hundred and thirty pound guys. He uses his quickness. He uses his ability to get off the ball. Uh, he's adequate against the run, and he can really be disruptive getting after the passer. So while I'm not going to say Curtis Brooks is the next Geno Atkins, I am going to say they are similar size. They have similar playing styles. Um, and, and I do think they, that Curtis can impact the game in similar ways that Geno did. Uh, I just the, – the 75 sacks and what I think – Season. multiple pro bowls yeah and he what 2012 12 and a half sacks 11 in 2015 10 in 2018 uh three double digit sack seasons for an interior defensive lineman is pretty good but that's uh, marcus wanted a, a comparison that's what i got and i look don't ask me to compare alec pierce to white wide receivers i'm not gonna do it <laughs> No, I will. Hey, that comparison. Not do it. Me, though. <laughs> hey, no, no. I, 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 that was what we're, and we can move on to Alec Pierce here. It was one of the perfect compliments. He's the guy that I kind of just wrote down the entire process. Um, even at 42, they ended up trading back and they still get him um, at um, either 52 or 54, um, where the pick comes in at, actually. But even at 42, I, I was one of the believers that I thought Alec Pierce was talented enough and I thought he would compliment compliment Michael Pittman Jr.'s game at a level where I was willing to take him there. I was a bigger Alec Pierce to the Colts fan than Christian Watson to the Colts, um, who a lot of guys really liked during the draft process as well. I mean, especially with with Matt Ryan, I think Matt Ryan and Alec Pierce will have a a very good connection. Um, Like I said, Alec, so do you know Alec's academic background? Um, Not much about it. I'm sure our listeners don't. So Alec uh engineer Cincinnati's engineering school is very very good like very very good and generally athletes are told you can't be an engineering major and an athlete because the time doesn't allow it partially one of the reasons is uh Cincinnati has a a big time co-op program for their engineering school and you don't have time to co-op at the end of your degree to get your engineering degree 
and also play football. Alec Pierce finished his engineering degree in three and a half years as the number one student in his class, almost a perfect 4.0 GPA. In three and a half years, majoring in engineering at an, a school with a great engineering program. He is smarter than, like, he's one of the smartest people in the organization the day he walks in. So not only is a freak athlete, but the kid can pick up a playbook and have it down in no time. So that's the double plus you're getting with Alec Pierce is, you know, you're not only getting a kid that, that tops out at, at every metric you can imagine athletically, but mentally he's going to be one of the smarter guys in the NFL. Like uh, to get your mechanical engineering degree in three and a half years while playing football is unheard of. Andy did his co-op in the summer while they were still doing summer workouts and lifting in the mornings. And so he managed to fit and make all of that work uh, on the way to getting his engineering degree. The kid is unbelievable uh, in terms of his, his off the field uh, characteristics. Yeah, I mean, I've only heard great things about Alec Pierce so far um, through rookie camp, through OTAs. Um, I know the early on, a lot of Colts fans had that scare because he had to leave the field early um, because of some um, dehydrated. Wasn't from, yeah, from dehydration yeah. was what it came in that day. Hasn't been an issue ever since. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit with uh, Michael Young. The Colts receiver room is kind of just wide open right now for guys to earn it because. I think a lot of rookie receivers, even in this year's class, I mean, a lot of talented guys um, that went before Pierce, after Pierce, just a very talented receiver group. But receiver rooms across the NFL, like it's not something that you're just going to get drafted in the second round and you have to start on a lot of teams. I think Alec Pierce, I would be – like something would have to go very wrong for him not to be a day one starter for this Colts team. I think knowing from what I know of the Colts roster, and it's funny because um, – so I do a lot of like uh, travel for uh, recruiting covering UC. So I was in Fort Wayne the the night Friday night that Alec got drafted watching an AAU event, and a bunch of the people up there are Colts fans, obviously that know like I'm the Cincinnati guy. Um, so I was bombarded after he was drafted. Well, tell me the scoop. What's the scoop on Alec Pierce? Tell me the and it's like he's going to start for you guys. Like he's going to be your big body outside stretch the field receiver that can win jump balls. Uh, but he also has the ability to run over the middle. Um, he worked in the slot at Cincinnati. So you can kind of, if you're getting a team's number one, that's kind of pinning him or, or following him around, you can move him and do different things with them. Um, his versatility is fantastic. Uh, I, I, I doubt he does special teams. I mean, he might, I don't know, but he like, he wanted to play special teams at UC. Here's another thing nobody, nobody's going to know, Colts fans. Luke Fickle tried to move him to linebacker. Spring he, practice after his freshman year. I bet his, if he was a nine, if he was a nine, what did we just say he was a nine, eight, two RAS? If he was yeah. a nine, eight at receiver, if you, if you insert all his right. metrics in at linebacker, that, that, that may be some all timer stuff. So he, he wanted to be a receiver. So they tried him for like three days at linebacker. Marcus Freeman basically knew how athletic the kid was and was like, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but they tried it for three days, and he decided he wanted to go back to wide receiver. Uh, but but he played special teams early in his career. He was a gunner um, on on punt and kickoff. Uh, did everything that was asked of him. So um, just a a football kid has been around the game his entire life, and and you you don't find him better than Alec Pierce in terms of who he is as a person. Yeah, I seen uh, earlier you mentioned uh, the Matt Ryan effect and everything, what he can do with Alec Pierce. Uh, of course, you know, the Colts picked up Matt Ryan in the offseason, and they have, the Colts have a lot of potential going into next season. Uh, how, how, how much of an effect do you think Matt Ryan will have on Alex Pierce's game going into his rookie year? I think a big effect because Alec is going to look at it as I get the chance to come in and play with a veteran, like a guy that really knows this business, really knows – what it's going to take to get me to where I want to be. Uh, he's going to soak that up. Like he's going to understand that that's, that's a huge opportunity to begin your career with the guy that's been through it all like Matt Ryan has. So uh, I think that's a phenomenal thing for Alec. You know, he already played with, you know, one of the winningest quarterbacks in college football history. Now he gets to go to a guy in the NFL that has won a ton of NFL games. So um, I, I think he's going to eat that up. I think it's, it's going to be really, really beneficial for, for who he is and how he develops early in his career. Yeah, I mean, the Matt Ryan aspect. Matt Ryan, when he ends up hanging it up, just copy, not trying to like copy and paste stats, but if, just last year, even in an off year, if he continues that pace for like another three, four years, he's going to end up in the top five, top three in just about every passing stat there is. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's – it's a good quarterback to get to come into the league to. It's something that I've mentioned as well about Alec Pierce. I mean, another aspect of his game that I feel like is going to benefit it. Now, the other cool thing is, I mean, he ha- we have Pittman on the outside who's going to play in that like X type role. Yeah. Um, so now the, the question really for the Colts through training camp and what they've seen in OTAs is, do they think Pierce is the Z long-term or the Y? Um, is he the guy they want to take the top off the defense, put him on the other outside spot with, with Pittman? Um, I think – I've said this as well about Pierce. I think Pierce has the game where him and Pittman can kind of slide in and out between the X and Z interchangeably um, because both of them have the ability to go up and take the ball. Right. I think both are very good at high, high, um, high pointing the ball. Um, and I just think both have the speed necessary to slide into the Z role when necessary. Um, so I think personally what ends up happening is Pittman is on, is in that X role um, day one. He's kind of earned his spot a little bit, a thousand yard receiver last year. And I assume Pierce's role early on will be in that Z type area. I am curious though, of how the year goes on, if they kind of make it an interchangeable role between the two. I, I can see that again, because Alec is going to pick up the playbook. He's going to be able to play all three spots. Like uh, that's what I mentioned earlier. He, he played in the slot quite a bit. Like at UC and just in different formations and groups and settings, they would put him on the slot to, to take advantage of his size going down the seam on a nickel, you know, cause nickels are usually five ten, five eleven. Alec is six, three and a half, six, four with the 40 inch vertical. That's, that's a matchup that you can take advantage of. And, and he's got the ability to make defenses pay uh, by knowing how to play all three different spots, how to be effective uh, at, at each spot. And that's something that, and the Colts would be foolish not to 
take advantage of that where he where he can you know hurt you in a bunch of different ways yeah one of the aspects i'm really excited about is the red zone aspect um i've tweeted about it, a lot of people have the colts have the opportunity size wise in the red zone to put Pittman 6'5 on the outside, put Pierce 6'3 slash 6'4. I've seen them listed at both, um, but let's just say 6'3 right now. 6'3 on the outside. Jelani Woods and Moali Cox, 6'5 and 6'7 at the tight end spot. That, that's, that's just going to be fun in the red zone. Like There's just so many opportunities there for any of those guys to go up and get the ball. Um, but also all those guys are fast enough in the element to be able to send inside and to put a mismatch on a linebacker. I'm really excited for red zone offense this year. Alec will get you, get you some scores in the red zone. That's for sure. Uh, and he'll get you a lot of them from 40, 50 yards out too. <laughs> so, so moral of the story, you're saying he's going to score. He's going to, he's going to get you points. He's going to put points on the board. That's, that's what Desmond Ritter looked to him for. Uh, that was, that was one of his primary functions in UC's offense was to be that splash play guy um, to make plays down the field over top of defensive backs. And, and he was able to do that, whether it was running straight past him or going up in traffic and, and coming down with the ball. So it, he's, he's going to be able to move the chains. He's going to put the ball in the end zone. We are for sure excited about these Cincinnati Bearcats as well as many of these Colts draft picks. Um, Chad, it was really great having you on. I really appreciate the insight towards your Bearcats. Um, where can anybody find you on social media or if they want, if maybe we have some Cincinnati Bearcat fans listening that you want to kind of plug some of your work? You can find me at Chad Brendel on social media. There's also at Bearcat Journal, which is the uh, official site for BearcatJournal.com. And then, of course, BearcatJournal.com, we go uh, wall-to-wall. We have uh, three different podcasts, a nightly YouTube show, and content that goes up on the website every day. So uh, if you're a UC fan and you're not on Bearcat Journal, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, again, I appreciate all the insight today on all these guys. Uh, hope to hear from you a little bit maybe in the season after Alec sure. Pierce is showing out and all these guys. Maybe we can have you back on to discuss. Marcus, anything you have to say to the fans before we let them go? Well, if I do play fantasy football, I know who I'm selecting. But uh, <laughs> definitely appreciate the insight on all the Cincinnati uh, people that you acquired. We the, the coast acquired. Uh, the information was definitely worth it, and uh, appreciate you for having me on the show. Appreciate you guys having me. You guys have a great night. All right, you as well, man. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. Make sure and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and make sure you're following us on social media at the Blue Stable or at the Blue underscore Stable on Twitter. Make sure you're supporting all of our work, guys, and we will be back next week with another episode of the Blue Stable. And as always, go Colts.